What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 54. I'm your host, Riley. Tony fucking Fee now. He did it. He did it. One of the best jokes in golf going on since 2016, really for the last couple of years, because obviously guys can go a couple seasons without winning and then they come back. A guy of Tony Finau's caliber, his skill level, and not winning since 2016, the Puerto Rico Open, is something that was just one of the funniest things in golf, all those jokes, right? You heard it. You saw it all over Twitter. It was everywhere that this man just cannot get it done. He finishes runner-up in the top five, in the top 10, a billion times since his last win. But he finally gets it done. It was sick. Of course, it only makes sense for it to come at a golf course that is soaking wet and had no fans at it, limited field, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's going to put a caveat on it. <laughs> but Tony Finau wins. It would have been way worse if like Tony came back and won the tour championship as his first win. 30 guys in the field, that would have been awful. No one would have counted it. At least there was a bunch of 125 guys in this field. But really happy for Tony, actually. It wasn't as big of a celebration as I thought it might be. Um, I thought it was going to be pretty damn emotional Like after making the putt. Um, I guess he probably dealt with it all the way up the fairway because Cameron Smith legitimately gave him that golf tournament. We'll get into that a little bit. Maybe that kind of took away some of the emotional stuff. He dealt with it coming up the fairway instead. But Tony Finau gets, like I said, his first win since the Puerto Rico Open in 2016. Moves to number one in the FedEx Cup standings. Played phenomenal golf on the back nine. You definitely can't take that away from him. He was outrageously good down the back nine. We're going to get all, all into that later into the show. We also have to preview this week. The second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs is this week. The boys are in Maryland for the BMW Championship. If you guys don't remember, which I'm sure you do, uh, this was the tournament last year that John Rahm made like the 90-foot putt to beat Dustin Johnson in a playoff after Dustin Johnson got into a playoff because he hit like a 60-foot bomb that was like snaking all over the place. This is a new golf course. We haven't been here before. It was the home of the 2007 Palmer Cup. But that's kind of been the extent of what it's seen. So very excited about it. I was reading up on the course a little bit, and the course actually looks pretty cool. Uh, a lot of elevation change. The condition is outrageously good. Like we're talking, I guess, a national kind of conditioning of what I've read. So very excited to see the golf course. It's long. I think it's like over 7,500 yards, par 72. So with the rain, you could see some bombers probably at the top of the leaderboard. But again, that is something we will get into later into the show. But right now, we got some headlines. Anna Norquist wins the Women's British Open. Phenomenal golf down the stretch. She wins it by one over her fellow Swede, actually, Maddie Sagstrom. Maddie, she was right there. She was coming. She was reeling off a bunch of birdies on the back nine. She ties the lead, and then she makes bogey on her 18th hole of the day, 72nd hole of the golf tournament, comes out of the lead, and she loses by one. It sucks. And she's had a lot of really good finishes of late. Um, she's a girl that I always root for. Her golf swing is fantastic. She's got a gorgeous golf swing, but really like Mad Sagstrom. So it sucked to see it kind of end that way for her on Sunday, but she played phenomenal golf. She's been playing phenomenal golf. So hopefully she gets another win here shortly, but Anna Norquist, man, comes back, wins the women's British Am, uh, British Am, British Open, rather. Carnoustie did not disappoint that golf course. is so sick. Love Carnoustie, but Anna gets it done. Pretty damn cool. 
Bryson DeChambeau, I'm sure that you guys have all seen this, will compete in a long drive contest the day after the Ryder Cup. Um, there's a there's a couple notes on this. Do I think it's just ridiculous? Yeah, I do think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think, I mean, if it, there was a time to do it, it's I, after pretty much the season is over. I don't know. I just don't really know what to think about this entire situation. Like, I really don't care if I'm going to be completely honest. I don't, I don't really care that he's going down there. Will it be, will he get some more eyeballs on the long drive competition? Yes. Um, he said it's going to grow the game of golf. I don't know if a bunch of eyeballs watching a huge, gigantic men hitting a golf ball just as far, like, as far as possible is going to grow the game. I don't know essentially if that's what it comes down to. I do think it's kind of cool that he's going to do it, see if he can stack up against those other guys. I just don't really have an opinion on it. Um, I, it's kind of shitty that it's the day after the Ryder Cup. I'm sure that he's going to be 100% um, into the Ryder Cup. That obviously takes priority over hitting a golf ball a long way. But it is kind of weird that he has to like leave whistling to go right to a long drive competition. Hopefully he doesn't fuck with anything in his back because we need him to win the Ryder Cup. We'll see. But it was just, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I don't know what he's thinking. And then a couple things on the show. So I've been kind of teasing it for the last couple of weeks that there's big news coming, uh, me related and show related. And it is um, actually official start date for the new position I'm going to be in is the 30th. I still have to go through all like the forms and stuff to fill them all out. But Hopefully on the show, I get to kind of talk about what's happening. I don't know if the the show is going to be affected really that much, aside from the fact that I'm going to be able to do a lot more cooler things in the show, which I'm really looking forward to, have a lot of different people within golf on the show coming up, which is going to be really sick. I'm really looking forward to that because we really haven't done like any interviews. Like I had Drew on from Blue Tees. And that was kind of it. I haven't done really, I could have got coaches on here for you, but I don't know like how much you want to listen to coaches, whatever. But this upcoming thing is going to be really damn cool for the show and be able to get a lot of cool people on the show, which I'm looking really looking forward to. But hopefully we get to talk about that on Monday. I know my official announcement for the position will come on Monday on my first day, but we got that looked forward to. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk about everything on the show next week. I'll record it Monday night, which will be after my first day. So I'll be able to talk about everything. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be really fun. But that's all I got for the Twilight Nine stuff. Um, that's that's really it. So we can jump into the Northern Trust. It was a very weird week. Uh, the hurricane was coming up. We always knew that was going to hit at some point over the weekend. We didn't know whether they were going to try to maybe play through it. Obviously it was a good thing that they didn't play through it. I think they almost got 10 inches of rain at the golf course. So, I mean, you can't, you just can't plan that, but it was just a really weird week. Like I said, at the top of the show, Tony Finau gets the win. And let me just rattle off Justin Ray. If you guys don't follow him on Twitter is the guy every week that when Tony Finau was in contention, he always had the stats, uh, this, this many top 10 since his last win or whatever. So in between Tony Finau's wins was nearly 2,000 days, eight runner-ups, 11 top third, uh, 11 top threes, rather, excuse me, 39 top tens, 72 top 25s, made almost $20.5 million. There is 126 different winners on tour in between his wins, and just between Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, 
they won a combined 28 events in between Tony Finau's two wins. And the one thing that I kind of really wanted to touch on was whether or not this was going to be kind of that opening the floodgates moment for Tony Finau. Because we've had to talk about that kind of... Uh, we talked about that, that a couple weeks ago with Abraham Answer was whether or not this was going to be finally like, oh, I got it done. Now I know what it takes to really get it done on a Sunday. Here come all the wins. And with Abraham Answer, I really do think Abe is going to win a lot. I mentioned that on the show a couple weeks ago. His game is just so consistent. He hits so many fairways. He hits so many greens that if he runs into a hot putter for that week, he's going to contend. The thing with Tony Finau is it's always really been about his putter. Like he's never been that confident a putter. I thought it was the ultimate golf gods thing that he misses the green on the 18th hole on Sunday, hits it out of the bunker and gives himself one of those like six footers to keep the lead. That was the ultimate, oh, you really want to win this golf tournament now? You have to make this putt. And he did. Kudos to him. He switched over to a putter. I know when he signed his deal with Ping, he didn't get a full bag with Ping. It was, um, I think it was, what, the top 13, and then he can have a putter in there. It doesn't matter the brand or whatever. But he actually just won with a Ping putter in his bag, so maybe that was it. I don't know. But bringing it back to the whole floodgate discussion, do I think this is, you know, floodgates for Finau? It's it's kind of one of those things where I do and I don't just because off obviously bad putters have won on the PGA Tour. I don't know if bad putters have won a lot on the PGA Tour. Ball striking can definitely make up for your putter. Um, I don't know if Finau, he has the talent to for sure. I mean, he's incredible off the tee, just hits everything a little bit of a cut. It's a really good swing. I don't know. I just don't know. And it's not, it's, it's funny because it, another thing leading me towards, yes, this is going to be a floodgate moment is a lot of the times when Tony was up there at the top of the leaderboard, it wasn't as if he was tied for the lead and then he shot two over par in the final round and lost the golf tournament. A lot of the times he would shoot 66 in the final round and literally lose by a shot just because somebody else played better than Tony. So is his luck about to change now because he finally turned it around and won a golf tournament that now maybe stuff starts to go in his favor. Cause I mean, earlier this year he was in another playoff to win the Genesis invitational against Max Homa and Max makes an incredible up and down from a tree and Tony couldn't, couldn't get it up and down or like on the second playoff hole, the par three. I don't even remember exactly what happened. He had to get up and down to that bunker and I think he couldn't do it. But anyway, you wonder if this is one of those things that kind of turns his luck around and maybe maybe he starts to win a bunch, right? I definitely... He's got way too much talent not to win more. I just don't know how how much he's going to win. Like, is he going to be a win a season a guy? Is he going to have a season where he rattles off five wins and starts, starts really racking them up? Is he going to be a double-digit tour winner? I don't know. Is he going to be a major winner? I do think he's going to be a major winner. He's played way too good in major championships not to eventually win one especially now that he kind of got this monkey off his back we'll see adding the presser or not his presser but he mentioned after the round that getting that close that many times doesn't discourage you from getting there up again it it just makes you hungrier to win eventually and he finally did so after that long-winded curvy road answer I th- I think this 
I think it is going to open up the floodgates a little bit for Tony to win a decent amount. I think next season we could see him win a couple times, maybe maybe slip on a green jacket or or hoist a Wanamaker or something. Who knows? I just think this is a was a really big moment in Tony's career to finally win a golf tournament. And he went out and shot whatever it was, what, 30 on the back nine, put an eagle to three feet, and he really looked confident doing it too. After I think there was three groups on the 18th hole when he got there on Sunday afternoon and he steps up and he hits a cut right off the left side, right off the left-hand bunker in the fairway. Perfect drive. Kind of queefs a, a long iron into the into the greenside bunker. Like I mentioned, gets it up and down. And then Cam Smith comes in and leaves a putt short for the win. And then they go to a playoff. And even after that little bit of a wait, he just lines up left, hits a perfect cut right into the middle of the fairway. And that's all he really had to do. And he looked confident doing the swing looks really, really good. Nick Faldo actually mentioned something on the broadcast that I don't think I really ever, ever noticed was on the way down, he actually gets into a position where he could draw the golf ball. And I think this is why he's so good is on the way down, the club head gets inside the hands. And then that's where usually guys are able to hit a draw. And that's why I think he can, he can work it both ways pretty easily because he's already coming in from that spot. But most guys hit a cut when the club head on the way down is actually outside of the hands when it gets around your belt buckle high for Tony, he just holds off the wrist and holds off the club face and it makes it cut from the inside. And I think that's a, a really efficient way to do it just because then you can turn that into a draw pretty damn easily. A lot of the guys that struggle to hit draws are the guys that cut the ball where the club head comes out, uh, comes down outside the hands and then they have to totally kind of switch the club thing. Tony, he's already on the inside. He can just flip it over a little bit and now you have a draw, right? It's easy. But that his swing just looks very, very good. It's very compact, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think this this will open it up for Tony to win more. I just think so. I think this is kind of one of those things where maybe the luck turns. Who knows? But speaking of Cameron Smith, that dude, everybody thought he was out of the golf tournament, and then he makes a couple birdies in a row on the back, and then all of a sudden he's just right back into it, and he made it very interesting. And gets into a playoff. I mean, that putt, was uh, just a poor effort on on his 72nd hole. You have to get that golf ball to the to the hole. You just have to. It was uphill. You can be a little bit more aggressive with it, and he just left it three feet short. You just have to get that thing to the hole. But he got himself an opportunity to get into the playoff, and then one of the worst drives I've ever seen him hit. He plays a cut. I don't know what he's doing aiming down the middle of the fairway. You aim that thing at the left side bunker and just let it peel back to the right. I don't know what he's doing aiming in the middle of the fairway. Completely comes out of his turn and puts it into the penalty area down the right-hand side, which I didn't even know it was in play. That's how far right that is. And it's a bummer for him. And then he finds the bunker for his fourth and then hits it out or hits it out of the bunker for his fourth and just not good. I think he was putting for seven, right? It was seven or double. He was putting for double. I had like a 10-footer for double. Not great. He's been, I mean, he's been money. That's after being in the playoff for the WGC, right? Or coming close to getting into the playoff for the WGC, but his T-ball on 18 gets sprayed way right, finds himself in the trees, tries to hit it out of a very narrow gap, 
and and just nails the tree and then it goes out of bounds. You got to take a drop, whatever, plays himself right out of the playoff. It kind of two two starts in a row where that's kind of happened to Cam Smith. But I mean, the kid is playing some fucking golf right now. I'm about to bring up his PGA Tour profile real quick, but his short game is disgusting. His wedge play is disgusting. He's probably a top five wedge player on tour. And then every time he puts that putter in his hand, it looks like it's going to go in. He's just an incredible putter. His short game is phenomenal. And it's really fun watching him play golf because he's got a very unique swing. It's not like a fluid motion. It kind of looks kind of like hitchy at the top, which I actually kind of like his golf swing. But he is just playing really good golf right now. He missed a couple cuts at the Memorial, at the U.S. Open, T30 at the Travelers, T33 at the Open Championship, and then comes in and shoots back-to-back 66s at the Olympics to get inside the top 10, uh, tied for fifth at the WGC. But really, I mean, he made a mess of the last hole. He should have been in that playoff. All he had to do was par the hole. And then solo second at the Northern Trust. So I'm sure that he's going to be a popular pick coming up for this week, which undoubtedly he should be. Um Let's see what FanDuel has him at right now for winning odds. Plus 2,900. So we'll have to see. I, I don't hate that. He might be on the card. I know he's not one of the four or five guys that we're going to talk about later in the show, but, I mean, his game is just so solid right now that it doesn't look anywhere, but he's going to finish inside the top 20, and hopefully his putter gets really, really hot. But what he did on, what was that, Saturday? Shoot 60. Another really, actually, speaking of weef, weef, weak efforts on putts, talking about his last putt. The last putt that he had for 59 was one of the worst putts I've ever seen a PGA Tour player hit. That thing was never even within six or eight inches of being online. And this is a guy that, like, rolls his fucking rock. Like, Cameron Smith is a bona fide top five putter on tour. And yeah, that was that was really bad. I don't I don't know what the I don't know what happened. That was just really really bad. But I don't know. That sixty was incredible to watch. It was insane. And then he comes back, bounces back from some few mistakes early, right? A tee shot to the left finds water, and then you got to back back. But he made a lot of birdies coming down the stretch. It was really awesome. But Cam Smith solo second. He'll be in the mix again very shortly. I think he's I think he's going to be in the mix this week. I think his game is just in a really good spot right now that I don't see it going anywhere else. Uh, Justin Thomas was right there. He came in the top five. He struggled again early in his round. I think he ended up shooting one under, um, but early in his round, he just made a bunch of bogeys. His swing actually looks really good. He's going to be one of the guys we talk about for the BMW championship this week, but his swing was a lot more um, controlled, it looked like, this week. And I don't know if that's going to be a swing change. I don't know if that's just going to be a one-week thing. But his feet didn't look as active. Everything came down a little bit more in sync. And that's why he was just throwing darts on Thursday, his his game. Everybody thought that was going to be Justin Thomas week. He was going to win this thing by a 1,000. Um, but, I mean, his swing looks really good. Alex Noren continues to play really good golf. Eric Van Royen was seventh solo. Uh, Kevin Na, we're going to talk about him later. Keith Mitchell, we're going to talk about... Well, we're not going to talk about Keith Mitchell, actually. I was looking at another name. But Keith Mitchell did everything. He needed a birdie, 16, 17, and 18, to guarantee himself a spot into the field this week and actually did it. That was pretty cool to hear him um, talk about that in the presser after the round. Shane Lowry, again, another top 15 finish. 
just a lot of guys playing really good golf now that I'm looking at this leaderboard. Um, Betting-wise, I don't think we hit a single fucking bet. We did so bad. Um, Rory just couldn't get anything going. Jordan Spieth shot three rounds over par, and the one par and the one round that was under par, he shot like 62. I think he's the only player in the last 20 years to have back-to-back eagles and back-to-back triple bogeys in the same tournament. <laughs> I mean, if that's not the most Jordan Spieth fucking quote of all time, I don't know what is. Um, but a lot of our guys kind of struggled. Like Rory and Scotty Scheffler both tied for 43rd. Max Homa tied for 47th. Um, going up here, Brooks, T31. Oh, shit. Excuse me. Oh, my God. This is definitely not a morning podcast. I usually record at, at night. Holy shit. But, yeah, just kind of a weird week. Not a lot of, like... I mean, Tom Hoagie came in the top five. Uh, top five. I just already mentioned like Roar, uh, Norin, Van Royen, Corey Connors, Kevin Knott, Keith Mitchell, Harold Vaughn the third, Hudson Swafford, Keegan Bradley. These are these are all, Streb. These are all guys that finished in the top twenty. A very a very weird tournament, but it was sick. Tony Finau gets the win. Very happy for Tony. But we can move on to the BMW Championship. So we're down to seventy players. We are, this week is the top 70 players in the FedEx Cup standings. I actually have the standings pulled up. Uh, the top 10 as of right now is Tony Finau, John Rom, Cameron Smith, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Bryson, and Abe Answer as the top 10. Who knows what this golf tournament is really going to be like? Uh, we haven't seen this golf course before. It's down in Maryland. Who knows? Like I mentioned at the top of the show, apparently it's supposed to be pretty damn awesome, but we'll see what happens. And again, this is going to be, and this is going to be another thing. I haven't really seen anybody really talk about this yet is the hurricane forced, obviously the golf tournament to end yesterday on Monday. The guys probably went right to, right to the golf course this week to caves Valley. And then now that gives them what today and tomorrow to prepare Wednesday might even be a pro-am. So can you really prepare that much? It's going to be interesting that who can adapt the quickest to not seeing a golf course. Cause I'm sure not a lot of guys have seen this place. So we'll see. Well, number one, John Rom is your defending champion. Again, I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he beat DJ last year. He was at the top of the leaderboard, like 98% of the time in New York city at Liberty national, but played his last four holes plus two. I'm sure he's going to just be up at the top of the leaderboard again this week. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Jordan Spieth, as I just mentioned, had an interesting week at Liberty National. He shot over par in three of his four rounds. He had a 79 and also had a 62. And that 79 is almost impressive. That was looking like a low 80s round. And then he made a lot of birdies coming in on the back nine. We'll see. Uh, he enters the week seventh in the FedEx substandings. Tony Finau moved to number one in the FedEx substandings after his win at Liberty National. We'll see if he can build up that in Maryland. We'll see what happens. The golf course, like I just said, is Caves Valley Golf Club, par 72, just over 7,500 yards, bent grass greens. This is the Tom Fazio designed, opened in 1991. If you guys are looking for course comparisons, I'm about to go over some data golf information here in a second, but there's not any golf, um course comparisons on data golf because we've never seen this place before. But a lot of people are looking at other Tom Fazio designs, especially uh, Quail Hollow, where they play the Wells Fargo Championship. That's a golf course that a lot of people are looking at. Right, long golf course, um, same designer. So we'll see what happens. 
The weather Tuesday today is sunny, 93, not going to rain, blowing five, pretty dormant day. So is, so is Wednesday, 95, sunny, not really windy. Thursday, holy shit, second yawn, folks. Thursday, partly cloudy, 94, 94 degrees. 24% chance of rain blowing six. Friday is 92. Isolated thunderstorms, 30% chance of rain blowing six. Saturday, 86. AM thunderstorms blowing six. And Sunday is 86, partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain and blowing six. So the wind is going to be down, but we might get some rain this week. So we'll see. A long golf course in wet conditions. That really emphasizes driving distance, like I'm about to say. Key stats. Long track. I wouldn't say that driving distance is going to be the only thing that you should consider when placing your bets this week, but distance off the tee, carry distance off the tee especially, is going to take some of these fairway bunkers out of play that are kind of scattered around this golf course. So that could be a good advantage for some of the guys. We've never seen this golf course on tour before. It's hosted, like I mentioned at the top of the show, it hosted the 2007 Palmer Cup. Dustin Johnson, Webb Simpson, Billy Horschel, I think um, Brian Harmon were all on that team. But it's just going to be really tough to tell what's going to be important around this place. When that is the case, and that's kind of what everybody thinks around the betting community, especially or in golf betting community, is when you don't really know what's going to be important for the week, just grab guys that are really good tee to green, that keep it in play. And then if we run into a hot putter, we run into a hot putter, right? So... We're going to target guys that are playing really well tee to green right now and that can putt well on bent grass because that's the kind of grass that we got this week. Uh, data golf information, like I said, no course fits this week, no course comparisons. But like I said, my favorite is probably Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship. Trending of the players in the field, John Rahm, his last three starts are 7th, T3, and 3rd. Harris English is number 2 at T46, 4th, and T31. And Cameron Smith is T33, T5, and solo 2nd. Percent chance to win, baseline, course history, course fit, all that good stuff is John Rahm at 13.5%. Colin Morikawa is at 4.3%, and Patrick Cantlay is at 3.9%. Some of the betting odds. John Rahm is at plus 6,000, or plus 6,000, holy shit, I wish, plus 600 to win. I know on draft, that's on FanDuel. I know on DraftKings, he's plus 550 to win. So he is starting to kind of crawl towards what like Tiger Woods used to get back in the day. And I didn't think I was ever going to say that again. His game right now is, is really unbelievable to watch. He's relentless. All he does is just aim left, hits a cut off the tee. It's borderline perfect every fucking time. It's incredible. And then his iron play, like when he's in the lead, he doesn't just like shoot for the middle of the green. He's going at flags and John Rahm is just a problem right now. So I understand why this betting line is so low. Plus 600 is a ridiculous total. Um, I did mention or I did notice going through FanDuel and DraftKings this week is they are very different in who they have um, after John Rahm. Like I think DraftKings has Xander Shoffley as the second favorite. FanDuel is Justin Thomas. So we'll see. A bunch of their odds are different. Some big names are falling down the odd sheet. So that might be something we have to take advantage of this week, but we'll see. So after John Rahm, according to FanDuel, is Justin Thomas at plus 1,600. Jordan Spieth is at 18. Colmore Cow is at 18. So is Xander. Dustin Johnson at plus 2,000. So is Bryson. Brooks Koepka is at 22. So is Louie. So is Cameron Smith. So is Patrick Cantlay. And so is Tony Finau. 
and then you finally get to our guy or my guy. I'm sure you guys probably at this point like Rory McIlroy if you stayed around and listened to the show every week. Rory McIlroy is plus 2,700 to win. Victor Hovland's at 31. Scotty Scheffler is also at 31. If you go down, uh, Masters champ Hideki's at 34. Shane Lowry's at 34. Uh, Sam Burns is at 5. I will say this. Normally in a limited field event, there's only 70 guys here this week. Normally, it's tough to find value, but I think we're actually going to be able to find some pretty good value on the board this week. I think we're actually going to be able to. So we'll see. Uh, we'll get into some of the guys right now that I'm looking at. That I'm looking at. Uh, Kevin Nye. Kevin Na. Kevin Na is going to be, a, I think, a good guy to look at to target further down the board. His last four starts, T2, T23, T2, T8. Over his last 50 rounds on Beth Gratz Greens, he's sixth in strokes and putting. Over his last three starts, he's hit 67.86% of fairways. For context, that would rank 20th on tour for the season. He only hit 52% of greens at Liberty National, but his short game is just absolutely ridiculously good. He was walking in chip shots. That's how good his fucking short game is. He's first in strokes gained around the green this season on tour. He's plus 6,500 to win. He could be a sleeper. The only thing that worries me a little bit is driving distance. Um, He hits a lot of fairways, but... Obviously, he's not the longest guy in the world. And when you're talking about a golf course that can play upwards of 7,500 yards in potentially wet conditions, that doesn't spell a great combination. But we'll see. His form is really good. And if he has a bunch of long irons into greens and he misses a bunch of greens, his short game is so good that he can make up for it. So I'm not worried about Kevin Na. Um, He might be a good spot for us to get him in. Maybe let's see if. I can get him for positive value for a top 30 plus 105. So that might actually be where we put Kevin now. So we'll see. Corey Connors is another guy that we're going to be looking for. He's not that far down the board. I actually think his odds are pretty, pretty reasonable. Um, let's go back here. I don't know if I said Corey Connors name. Yeah. 3,300. So he's a rent. He's, he's with Daniel Berger. He's with Scotty Scheffler, he's with Victor Hovland. So all those guys are around the same. His putter, though, right now is absolutely ice cold. Hopefully, if we put him on the card, that'll turn around this week. But his putter is absolutely ice cold. His tee to green game is fantastic, is always fantastic. He's ninth in fairways and regulation this season on tour. He's 11th in greens and regulation. He's 25th in stroke scene approach over his last 24 rounds. He's 16th off the tee in that same span. So you know that his ball striking is going to be phenomenal. We just got to run into a putter that is at least not this ice cold. I think he's lost strokes with the putter in four of his last five starts or something ridiculous like that. So we'll see what happens. He has three top 15 finishes in his last four starts. That actually includes the Olympics. He was just T8 at the Northern Trust. He's 3,300 to win. Again, this is probably going to be a good spot for us to get a top 20 for Corey Connors. We'll see. Another thing, he's not crazy long off the tee. But his iron play is so good that he might just be able to make up for that. We'll see if we end up putting Corey Connors on there. Um, Sam Burns is playing really good golf. He won the Valspar Championship earlier this season, but he's played great over the last few weeks. T21 at the Northern Trust over the weekend and T2 at the WGC FedEx. His strokes gain numbers over his last 24 rounds look really, really good. He's 23rd total, 15th tee to green, 23rd ball striking, 11th short game, 9th in approach, and 16th in putting. The only place that he's struggling a little bit is off the tee. That's usually accuracy issues. Um, he hits the ball a long way. I think he averages a little over or exactly actually 305 off the tee. So that is never an issue for him. 
Hopefully he can hit some more fairways to give himself birdie opportunities this week, but he could be another good guy. He's plus 5,000 to win, so he's going to be plus odds for a top 20, probably pretty good odds for a top 20. So we'll see if we put Burnsy on the card this week. Um, big name related, uh, Justin Thomas. He put his uh, his old trusty putter back in the bag. It was a pretty good story, actually. A 15-year-old convinced him to put the putter back in the bag, and it worked. He really rolled it really well. He was 11th in stroke scene putting on the week. Like I mentioned um, right at the start of the preview here, his swing looks a lot more calm. His footwork are minimal, um, and he hit a lot of really, really good iron shots. He was 14th in stroke CNT to green for the week. I don't know. I just really love the way that Justin Thomas swinging the golf club. Um, everybody has seen a slow motion video of Justin Thomas's swing with driver. Both feet come off the ground. He's off his toes. His swing just looked a lot better at Liberty National. I just don't know what it was. His tempo was better. The positions looked better. We'll see if that carries over to Maryland this week. I don't know. He's plus 2,000 to win on DraftKings. He's the second favorite on FanDuel. His odds are not going to be great. Maybe we'll scoop him up for a top 10. We'll see. But really, that's all the guys that I really had. Like Liberty National was just weird. A lot of big names like Colin Morikawa played like shit. Like I mentioned, like Rory was down the leaderboard. Scotty Scheffler was down the leaderboard. Um, there wasn't that many gigantic names. Like Bryson wasn't up there. Brooks wasn't up there. Jordan wasn't up there. It was a weird week. I don't know. It just, we'll see if that had anything to do with maybe just the golf course, the weather. I, I really, I really don't know. Um, big name wise, like who I would target to be completely honest. Like John Rahm is, is yet a yes, just because he, he, he's incredible right now, but his odds are terrible. Justin Thomas I already had Colin Morikawa is the next favorite on FanDuel and he just missed a cut. Although he does bounce back well from his cut. So we'll see if Colin can come back and play well this week. Xander Shoffley had a decent week. I think he finished inside the top 20. Jordan Spieth really wasn't that good. DJ, I didn't see his name all weekend. Bryson wasn't there. Tony won. Brooks wasn't there. Louie didn't even play. So we'll see. Patrick Cantley was up there yet again. So maybe that's a big name that you guys can look at. He's just so fucking consistent too that he can be on the card every single week pretty much. But the one guy was Rory. And I just don't know what to think about Rory right now. His tee to green game was legitimately disgusting at the WGC. And I thought that would carry over to Liberty National. And it just didn't carry over to Liberty National. I don't know what the hell happened. He was borderline last in strokes saying tee to green from everybody that made the cut. And then putting wise, he rolled it great. He was inside the top 20 in strokes game putting. That putter looks like it's coming together. I did mention on the show last week that he rolled it well at Liberty National back in 2019. So maybe that was something to do with it. Maybe he was just familiar with the greens and he was comfortable on them. Who knows? And it's one of those things where his his tee to green game could back, could come back this week, right? And he, he plays really well around this place. And then because he's never been here, because he's never putted these greens before, he just doesn't make anything. That is very, that could happen very easily. So I just don't know what happened. It's, or what is going to happen with Rory? I'm going to bet on him to win just because his odds are just ridiculous. He's plus 2,800 on FanDuel, and he's at plus, I think he might be at the same thing on DraftKings. I just reloaded it to see or refresh it. Yeah, plus 2,800. Like, those are crazy odds. So we're going to have to bet on him just because he's sitting there at those odds. But we'll have to see. I don't know what to think about Rory right now. 
like Sunday's round had a promising start. He was four under through the front nine, and then he comes out and makes a terrible bogey on 10. Shoots one under on the day after turning it four under. I just don't know what's going to happen for us. I don't know. Very excited about the golf tournament this week, though, because of all I've read about the golf course, apparently it's going to be really cool. The elevation changes are really nice. The conditioning is fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to it. But I think that's it, guys. I think that's it for the show. Pretty low-key, um, kind of all over the place just because, I mean, the the fucking hurricane just messed up everything with, like, making sure the notes were on time, wanted you guys to have the show on Tuesday. Um, the betting information or the betting article rather should be out, um, later Tuesday, probably afternoon. And then if it isn't just look for it first thing Wednesday morning, like very early Wednesday morning. Um, but you guys will have it eventually within the next 24 hours, but really looking forward to another playoff event. Um, follow the Instagram at twilight nine pod is the Instagram at Riley Hamill underscore, or is it Riley Hamill underscore? Yeah. Is my personal IG. And then um, the, the show next week should be exciting. I'll have some news for you guys, kind of see, cover what's going on, and then we'll be able to talk about the tour championship. So really looking forward to it. So enjoy the golf this weekend, guys. Enjoy the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, and I will talk to you guys next week.